Do you think we'll be uh, TikTok famous? Hey guys, it's Heather Miracle and Corey Miracle with the Sugar Cookie Marketing Podcast. This is season one, episode seven. That means we've been doing this roughly seven weeks. Seven weeks for you, six weeks oh, yeah, for me. Oh yeah, Corey is lame, doesn't show up to half of this stuff. But no, seriously, this has been fantastic. It's amazing to meet Corey how hard it is to disseminate information across Facebook groups. Oh my goodness. Even though you have, even though groups aren't stifled by the Facebook algorithm like As pages much. are, yeah. um, still information is not traveling at the speed of sound in there. Right. So imagine this. We've been talking about this podcast for seven weeks. That means every week we post about it at least once or twice. And there are still people saying, I didn't know there's a podcast. So if that's any indication, guys, people are not seeing your post. You have got to constantly hit the pavement with reminders. But before we get into our content, I'm Heather Miracle. I've been doing online marketing for over a decade, which makes me sound a little bit old. Um, Not great. Not great. (laughs) And I am her better half, Corey, and I've been in marketing sales for my entire adult life. Um, But we love what we do and who we get to do it for. And where do we come from, Corey? For those just joining us on Spotify who have no clue who we are, or what we do. We come from the Sugar Cookie Marketing Group on Facebook. We are 15,000 strong. Um, we enjoy every single person in there for the most part. Nay, you drama causers. <laughs> <laughs> Never had a lock so many threads in my life. <laughs> But anyways, so we wanted to actually I just want to tell you the structure of this podcast if you're new here, which apparently everybody is, but we just want to go through introductions, which we're doing right now, skip over to something we call the marketing minutes. And it's just something about marketing, some concepts, some challenge, some information that we think would be valuable to you guys and your baking businesses. Uh, then we do want to do the business of baking. It's not so much marketing focused, but it is business focused. So something still applicable, less marketing, but definitely worth a listen. After that, we're going to one of my favorite parts, which is voicemails. You can call in and leave a voicemail or text us and we will read and answer some of these questions um, during the podcast. And then after that, we go to group stuff, just kind of like a maintenance, what's going on, what you can look forward to, what you missed. And after that, Corey's favorite part, where she gets to talk about herself in our Twinterest segment that'll wrap us up for this week's podcast. All right. Okay, let's dive on in, Heather. I'm going to let you take the realm here on our, uh, what is it? The first one is, sorry, I scrolled down. The Marketing Minutes. Head on over there, sweet cheeks. It's almost like she wasn't paying attention to me. <laughs> <I> was. <laughs> okay. So in the Marketing Minutes, I wanted to talk about something that I think a lot of us know about, but we don't know that we know about. And it is called, Corey, it's called anchor pricing. Well, what is that? Okay. So I'm just going to read the definition and then I'm going to run you through a little workshop. Oh, great. Corey seems <laughs> already sweaty. Uh, price anchoring refers to the practice of establishing a price point which customers can refer to when making buying decisions. Every time you see a discount with $100 discounted to $75, the $100 price is the anchor to the $75 sale price. Does that make any sense? Break it down for okay. me, girl. Okay. Corey doesn't realize. I'm going to show her a picture of a cow. Can you see this cow? It is It is a stunning cow. It is moodiful. <laughs> I'm going to let it slide just because it's Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, I see your cow. Yeah, this beautiful Bessie is from... Uh, wait, there's another pun here. Oh, it's from California. <laughs> is it only Wednesday? Um, this cow is for sale. Uh, how much do you think this dairy cow, endless milk supply, you'd have if this cat lived in your backyard? How much do you think you could buy him for? 
Well, I, mean, I know there's people like dairy cows are female. I'm not actually <laughs> positive. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have an anatomy class after with Heather, so stay tuned. I'm gonna just because the amount of butter that I buy seems pretty expensive, put him at fifteen hundred. Okay, okay. This cow is worth, and it's worth every penny, might I add, seven hundred ninety-two U.S. dollars. Um, what a st- I'm getting me a cow. He's getting a pet cow. <laughs> Already, can she can add it to her circus? It's already in her house. So for half the price that you thought she was worth, you can have a pet cow because you thought it was fifteen hundred dollars, but it's really only seven hundred and change. Okay. Well, things I've learned today: um, cows are pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a picture of a bull. It is bulltiful. <laughs> can you not laugh? Okay, this is a beautiful cow. Um, I mean, beautiful bull. How much do you think he's worth? Or she, I'm not sure. Does some random math. I'm going to say he's maybe a thousand bucks. Okay. Now, my question for you is why did you think the dairy cow was more expensive than now this bull that you priced at a mere thousand dollars? Well, I think I was way off base with the cow, the original cow. So when you told me it was only 700 bucks, then I felt like Mr. Bull um, maybe was a little bit more. Right. That's exactly what it is. So Corey's knowledge of cow pricing was null and void until we had this conversation. When she saw the price of a dairy cow, she now had a reference point. Okay, dairy cow, alleged not to offend the dairy farmers out there, but I assume he's on the cheaper side of cows. He's the lower price point. So a bull seems to be a little bit more expensive. You always hear about them. It makes more cows, I guess. (laughs) He's the supply to cow supplies. So yeah, so he is $1,000. Um, so there you go is price anchoring. But I want to do another reference that applies to more people than just the cow farmers out there. Okay. So sometimes you need a new roof, but you often don't need a new roof for every about 15 to 20 years. So you all, okay, let's pretend you need a new roof, Corey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things you're going to do. You need a new roof. You have no idea how much roofs go for. So you could either ask your neighbors on like next door or you could get your first quote. Okay. Okay. So let's pretend you call me up and I'm like, okay, inspect your roof. Everything's great. That's going to be $5,000. That sounds like a lot. Okay, great. I'm like, well, whatever then. So you're probably not going to buy from me. I know everyone's like, oh, those are $17,000. <laughs> okay, let's pretend I say $17,000. Okay. I don't want to offend the cow people or the roof people. So we say, okay, your your roof is uh, $17,000. That's shockingly high to you. Who thought, had no concept of the cost of roofs. Right. Okay, so you are going to go get a second quote. Okay. Okay, you call me up. I am Mr. Roof number two, really proficient in roofs. Look it up. Don't even need to go out there. I've been doing this for 30 years. That's definitely a $25,000 roof roof replacement. I thought you were going to go cheaper. Cheaper. See, here's the word you just used. You just used the word cheaper when just a second ago at a $17,000 roof, you said more expensive. Well, now I know what the first guy said, so... We have an anchor. That's an example of what price anchoring is. So it's a comparison. And humans cannot separate themselves from price anchoring strategy. So how do we tie roos and cows into cookies? Oh, bring it back, baby girl. Yeah, bring it back. So there's two things you can do. You can either let your customer use you as an anchor and then ask somebody else. Not ideal. We don't want them to price shop. So we got a price shop for them. So somebody says, hey, how much for... Three dozen, and I'm going to say, "Hey, that's you know 46." And they're like, "Shock and awe!" I've, I have no idea that was a going rate of cookies. That seems high, or I can do an a custom dozen for 26. 
Well, that sounds like a steal. Now it's a steal because for if I buy three single dozens, I'm paying much more than a, a three dozen 46 offer. So I've just anchored myself against myself. So I've upsold them. It's kind of a, a concept of popcorn pricing as well to drive them to the more expensive one because they feel like they save more. But you've also anchored me to the co- going cost of what a dozen is. I, I mean, I love that. That means I'm not shopping around. I'm going to you. You kind of told me like, hey, I can spend a butt ton with you or I can spend less than a butt ton. But at the end of the day, it's still with you. Right. I think people may be under the impression that our clients are price shopping our cookies through 10 different sellers. Um, I can't begin to describe to my buying process is the fewer people I talk to, the better. Yeah, I know Heather and I actually bought cookies for a client way before we ever started baking. Um, We were clueless. We reached out to her. She said a number. I thought it was expensive, but hey, I don't have time. This actually checks a box on my to-do list that week, and we ordered from her. Um, no questions asked. I don't think we shopped around. I don't think we shopped around, but had we had, and somebody came in higher, she would become the cheaper option. Exactly. So price is relative, and price anchoring helps it to be a, just a tinge bit relative, less relative. Okay. So that's the importance of price anchoring. So in your life, you can say, oftentimes when you go to the checkout line out of Sephora, that little oh, crapshoot that, yeah. that kind of gets you to buy all those yeah. little things Isle you didn't need. <laughs> and they're really tiny stuff. <laughs> things are no. ungodly microscopic, but yeah. you still feel like you need it. Right. Like maybe this little teardrop of serum will fix all my problems yeah. with inside and out. But what you see, if you really stare at those prices, they'll always have a strike through, which means the price is crossed out. Yeah. And hey, oh, look what you found in line. You found a sale. Like oh, it was this little, you know, scavenger hunt and I got a deal. Right. It makes you feel like you got a deal, even though you had no recollection of what that price cost before you were even standing in front of it. But now you see a strike through and a lower price must be a deal because why else would they put that strike through there? Amen. One question for you. Okay. What should I name my new cow? It's got to be a pun. It's got to be a real solid pun. I'll let you dwell on it and reveal the new name next week. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess, can we move on to the business um, of baking? Yeah, let's jump into that. All right. I know we get this. I see this in a lot in the group. Um, people hating on their favorite client. twin, Heather. I know. And I told him, <laughs> don't let Corey know that I'm the favorite. It will only offend her. Guys, you've done a great job of making Heather feel like she's the winning twin. But, you know, the DMs and the PMs that I get letting me know that I'm actually number one really just get me through the week. I'll find you and have to reach <laughs> out to Okay. So loving that you hate that you love your clients. You know what, Heather? I love what I do, um, but sometimes I don't actually love who I get to do it for. And I am talking about clients. Some days I, I just want to do what I do best, decorate cookies, put my head down, listen to Sugar Cookie Marketing Podcast mm, on mm, Spotify. Really just relax. <laughs> yeah. And then um, not deal with people. Um But if you don't deal with people, you actually aren't a business. You're just a hobby. So when it comes to your clients and them not being your favorite people, or as Courtney in the group puts it, when people get all peeply on you. Peeply. Sometimes I just feel peeply. I wake up and I'm like, I'm peeply today. (laughs) I'm peeply. No, people it up. (laughs) Um, Well, you can't just block them all. I know some people love to say, and I see it in the comments section, is just block them. But that isn't a good marketing answer or a good marketing strategy. Our end goal as a business is to always convert. Whether they are hard clients or the perfect clients, we want to turn them into paying clients. The first thing to do, especially if you're just starting out, or even today if you haven't already done it, is to create policies and have those in place so you are never the bad guy. Your policies are. 
Let me explain this. Let's say you have a customer who needs cookies for the weekend, but doesn't want to be charged the rush fee. Instead of going back and forth um, with them pushing you and you starting to hate them, you send them your policies. Hey, customer, thank you so much. And I totally understand not wanting to pay the rush fee, but my policies state that in order for me to move you to the front of the line and guarantee the ingredients for your order and to have them on time for you, I must charge a rush fee. You are no longer the bad guy um, walking around feeling guilty and you don't start hating those people who actually pay your bills. Policies that are set in stone and set in place will keep you happy in your business. A lot of times customers just don't know and all they need is a little communication and education, which is totally fair. Before you started baking, you probably didn't know the amount of work that went into your products either. Little communication can go a long way in changing a challenging customer into a paying client that sings your praises far and wide for years to come. Now, do not get me wrong, you're going to have people that challenge you that then that just tells me that they're not your ideal customer. Heather, just tell me what an ideal customer is real quick. Oh, you're putting my spot here. I thought of the cow's name. <laughs> What's the cow's name? Miss Miracle. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done okay. with the cow puns. Okay, tell us what an ideal customer is. Uh, an ideal customer is somebody that respects your boundaries, they respect your price point, and they are easy to work with, and they are recurring, really. Okay, so not everyone is going to be your ideal customer. No. Whether they don't see the value in paying your prices or they're late on their deposits or change their minds too much, it's up to you and your policies to weed out your ideal customers and those who aren't so ideal. I know when I ordered cookies from a local cookier years and years ago, I had literally no idea what went into them. When she said, when do you need them by? I said, I don't know. Can you make them this week? Tomorrow? I had literally no How clue. dare I had no idea. I had no clue because I wasn't in the industry. Uh, could that lady have gotten mad at me and offended that I thought the turnaround time was to be so short? Absolutely. Could she have gasped that I assumed she had no life other than to make my order? Very much so, but she wouldn't have ended up with my money either. Instead, she said, I can absolutely have them to you on Friday. I can't do tomorrow as I have to make the dough and ice the cookies, which roughly takes about three days total with your design. Totally understandable. Um, you know, and she took the time to explain it to me, and that's why I still recommend people to her to this day. Turning your client interactions into potential sales is always and should always be our end goal. You never know who they know and how much potential business they could bring in for you. My tip is to get your policies set up and rock solid and to always have an end goal in the back of your mind when talking to a potential client. And that end goal should be to make money. Knowing your end goal will help you communicate more efficiently and effectively and keep you from running to the group asking what should I do with these customers? Right. And I think that maybe perhaps I'm a little behind this animosity towards customers. There is such a thing as a boundary, right? Mm -hmm. This hard no in the sand, you know, this isn't the business I want to run if I'm running in circles, right? But the second half of boundary setting is truly being a good business person. And that's turning any no's into yeses. And the way you do that is somebody's like, hey, I need this by tomorrow. Oh, wow, this is a 10-tiered cake that I have to make with my eyes closed because you wanted this complex design and fondant, and I have to learn how to make fondant. Uh, you're an idiot. No, you say, you if you're truly a good business owner, you turn that, can I have it tomorrow, into absolutely I can deliver to you next month. Does that fix? 
you, does that fit your schedule? This, that, dude, I set your expectations. You understand what goes into it. And they say, yes, that's true. Lead great business ownership is constantly converting these people who even may not fit into your boundaries right now, but mm-hmm. you get them to. So yeah. it's not running to the no. The no is in your back pocket to create the life that you want. Exactly. And I think what people lose sight of is getting a lead is the hardest thing in a business. Yeah. Um, so to just... They knocked on your door, man. You did the whoa, hardest whoa. part. Yeah. So to just turn them away, um, be offended, say, absolutely not. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. Or to give a, a short answer with no solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You, you're in essence shooting yourself in the foot because you so spent much work. the time and money yeah. on the marketing and now you're not converting. I know. So, so follow it through to the end. Yeah. And what I'd like to encourage to challenge people since we got boundaries down so hard, great, yeah. is to soften those blows, to make your no's sound like yeses. So ask me something. I'm going to tell you no, but I'm going to tell you it by telling you yes. Can I get a baby cow? You absolutely can get a baby cow once we save for it. And that'll probably take about two years. But once we get there, we're going to reassess, see if you still want that cow, Boo Bear. And Miss Miracle is on her way. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> so before I get a cow. Yes. Eventually. Not today. No. She did not get a cow now. I told her no, but I told her no by telling her, yes, you can. It started with, yes, you can get a cow in two years when we can afford cow transportation. So we both left the conversation happy. Positive. No positive. is a negative. Yeah. Yes is a positive. Mm-hmm. If you can tell people yes by tell, tell people no by telling them yes, you've essentially won and you made everyone feel good. Nobody likes being told no. Right. But boundaries are essentially the word no, but true business ownership is having that boundary and still being able to tell people yes. Yeah. So I think this will actually turn people from hating their clients, you know, cringing when the messenger notification goes off on their business page um, and it changes it to a positive. Hey, I am setting up my pipeline. It might not be a tomorrow pipeline, but it's a month from now, a year from now. I'm setting up these people that reached out to me um, to be able to reach out to me again and still giving the harsh no gasp. How dare you? ask for cookies tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blocking you. You're gone. You're out of my life and changing them to more positive experience that sets you up for success down the road. That makes people feel good. I only, I'm only going to buy cookies from somebody who makes me feel good. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to buy cookies from you. You make me feel bad and me buy again. It's just never going to happen. So does that mean you're going to pay for the cookies I bring you? You get a cow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On to our next segment. So just to summarize what we talked about there is price anchoring is so valuable in helping people understand a price point and then doing comparison. If you guys could look at your buying this week and see where you get price anchoring, it's a lot on Amazon. I can already tell you that. Obviously, the Sephora checkout line, um, anything that has a deal or a special, that's price anchoring because you see the the original price and you see that discounted price. Then Corey hit us with a very long diatribe on what was that that is um loving your customers loving your customers we gotta love them without customers we are nothing true we got a lot of bills a lot of cookies and nowhere to put them love that you hate that you love your customers amen all right next up we have voicemails i'm just going to read a text from a 330 number who didn't leave their name all it was was a link to twin day and i gotta tell you about it they meet in twinsburg ohio we are going. It's in August. Let's go. Okay. That'd <laughs> be kind of funny. And also weird. And then Jen Shirts, uh, I think she won a cookie cutter towards the beginning when we're doing cookie cutters. She okay. said, hi, ladies. I'm a group member and I love the pod. Ooh, what a fancy yeah, name. You're all wearing a pod. Oh, cool. Um, thought this would be a twinterest to you. She just hit me on all the ways I want to be hit. I remember you mentioning a month ago in my neck of the woods, I think we would totally have a group meetup this summer for twins and honorary twins. 
That's it. I think Jen's going to be in August um, at Twinsburg, Ohio. (laughs) That that sounds great. Okay, Mel sent a text, and we have two voicemails, but I'm going to read this text, and then we'll go through those voicemails I'll play. Hey, ladies, I'm having a blast listening and learning to you all. Just now finished episode six, and I have an email list question. I've been using texting service for my direct sales gig, and hello, I'm paying for it anyways. Might as well use it for my cookie peeps also. I space on using it for Easter pre-sales, but I did send out a mass text for my pop-up. By mass, I mean all of 30 people, laughing, crying face, my favorite emoji, cookie customer phone numbers that I have. I'm also able to schedule reminder texts for pickup dates, which is amazing. This is basically the same as email marketing, right? I can schedule texts, personalize them, add links and graphics. Any reason not to be using a text service this way? Thank you so much for the group and your wealth of knowledge. You're both hilarious. I choose a favorite and it is Heather. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna just. I'm reading the same uh, (laughs) off the same script as Heather, and that last sentence literally says, "Corey is my favorite." (laughs) I am reading. (laughs) Says neither of them. But great question. Is that the same way as email marketing? And it is not, but it is definitely a great use of SMS. So SMS marketing is what they call text marketing, and it is the newest, latest, greatest, best part of marketing because the open rate is so high. When you get a text query, do you check it? Uh, It makes me feel popular, so absolutely. Okay. Does it also, could it also annoy you? I do have one company that literally says, buy this backpack every day. Okay. So should you also be getting an email and a text from them? Oh, yeah, because you can check it on either Mm -hmm. one. There's some options there. So we have, uh, there's a benefit to getting an email. There's a benefit to getting a text. True. And to hit people in more than one way is the ultimate goal of marketing. So we're talking Facebook, Instagram, real stories, TikTok. Uh, Corey, (laughs) so that is just a great way. I'm sorry, we're going to take a quick pause. We actually have to do the WOVA live uh, Q&A right now. So uh, we're going to pick back up on this in just a second. And we are back. And that was definitely pronounced Hoover. Yeah, we've been saying Hoover. <laughs> but I think we did really well. Okay. Okay. Let's, just, let's just pretend we did very well. Okay. I'm going to play uh, a voicemail uh, and then I'll drop the audio in after it. We're going to listen to it through our speakers. Perfect. Hey, you guys. Okay. So first of all, I really like the podcast. Um, When I was doing my Easter cookies, I listened to it (laughs) the entire time, but kind of like a marathon of your podcast and they were super helpful. Um, So my question for you after having listened to them, um, my first one is if you're doing this part time, how do you find your sweet spot for marketing? Because I am a homeschooling mom. Um, I have a young child. So he is, um, he takes up a lot of my time and he's always under my seat. So that's kind of my first question is how do I find my sweet spot for marketing so that I'm not getting overwhelmed or I'm not spending too much time investing in marketing when I only have so much time to actually do orders. My second question is um, in our family, uh, one of my children has a dairy intolerance. So we actually make almost everything vegan. So I'm wondering if I should market that my products are vegan or if I should not market that because there are so many people who won't even try something if they know it's vegan. The people that have had my cookies have no idea that there's anything different about them. They don't know they're vegan. They love them. So part of me thinks maybe I shouldn't market that. And then the other part of me thinks that I should because I know in my area, nobody Nobody offers that except for some storefront bakeries, like a couple of storefront vegan bakeries offer that. 
But as far as custom cooked these, there's no one out there because I looked. <laughs> so those are my two questions. And thank you, guys. Bye. Well, I'm going to take on the first part of her question, Corey, which ahead. was um, how much marketing can you do when you have a million other things happening in your day? Um, and I can relate. I have actually have an 11 year old who is doing the homeschool thing. Um, I almost went insane. Heather can attest to that. Mm. Mm, it was such a go there for a minute, guys. Um, so my heart goes out to you there. The thing is, is focus on where your leads are. Um, if you're on Facebook and people are giving your money, giving you money on Facebook, then maybe Instagram doesn't need to be a platform that you partake in. And that is absolutely okay. You only have so many hours in the day. You only have two hands. So you want your time and effort to be best spent where you see the best return on investment. So say if you, all your leads are coming through Facebook, you had never gotten a lead through Instagram, Instagram does not have to be your main source. It's great to have a profile there, you know, maybe post every once in a week, but you don't have to really farm and market and try to get those leads and sales on Instagram if that's not the time in the day for you. Um, so focus on the platforms that you know bring you money and, and table the platforms that don't. Do you agree, Heather? I agree. I also would say if you could carve out can I, can you, Corey, with your billion animals, one cow and 11 year old, could you carve out an hour of your week? Absolutely. Okay. I spent an hour on TikTok no. sending you TikTok videos constantly. <laughs> if you can spend one hour of your week, put on a Netflix show that's not interesting enough that you have to be dialed in, but you can kind of just let it play in the background. I'm a Frasier fan, which I know switched to Hulu and I've been upset ever since. Yeah, me too. Um, but now I'm midair disasters. So great. Yes, I love those. Okay, go on. Sorry. Okay. So if you could set that to play and set one hour on the clock to just go through, schedule out your posts for the week using Creator Studio, that would mean you could post to Facebook and Instagram, have one post go up every uh once every other day you know so we're looking at four posts can you give me four posts in an hour with a decent caption and call to action i absolutely could all right so i'd say baby step it you don't have to do everything at once i know in the group we talk about a lot of marketing aspects no no find the things like Corey said that you can really kind of dig into get that dialed in and then you can move on to the next thing it'll still all be there for when you're ready right and i know heather does this for us say if we have a day where we have a ton of work to do um it seems daunting it seems overwhelming um it looks like we're just crawling up this mountain and it's five million feet high um heather will actually set a timer i don't know what do you call that weird pomodoro technique yeah so whatever this technique is so we'll work 25 straight minutes there is no distraction there's no no talking. It's just straight work. And then how much do we get? You get the first increment, you get five. Then you do the set again. Then you do the set again. And the last increment, you get you know, a 15 minute break. So you're almost earning it. So I know a lot of times I'm like, oh, there's not enough time in the day. But how much time did I actually spend saying oh. there's not enough mm -hmm. time in the day? Yeah, um, so if you could do a Pomodoro, if you could say, so we do them in Pomodoro sets. So if you did 15 on, five off. So 15 on working on your Facebook page five browsing TikTok laughing, then come back and do it again. You're going to have most of your content for the week. Right. And I mean, I've locked myself in the bathroom away from my son and turn on the water. So it sounds like I'm doing some whole productive. And you know what? That's okay. He's got a million toys. That's what I bought him for. Um, but it gives me some time alone uh, to really focus on what I need to do. And then I'm out there um, trying to keep him alive till he's 18. Exactly. And for that vegan thing, I say that's your differentiator. I say lean into that. I know oftentimes we like to say everybody's my target, but there's somebody for everybody. And if you can be that somebody for the vegans and say, hey, I can sell it, but here's your tagline. 
is this even, this is vegan? Like have something that says, hey, this is vegan, but people don't even realize it. It's that delicious. I think that's an amazing sales point. I mean, I spent the time in the hospital and they didn't tell me to go vegan, but now I feel a little bit more health conscious. So I would be like, oh yeah, g- give me some vegan cookies. It's right. a do they taste the same? Okay, they do. Great. I'm in. I'm a little <laughs> yeah. bit healthier. No guilt. Woo. <laughs> yeah. But I would say if you could, I know it seems scary to niche down. Um, we could start it. We could have started a Facebook group called "Learn How to Market Everything," right? Okay, but that that would have been everybody. Everybody. It's hard to maintain this group called Sugar Cookie Marketing. It's so specific, and we still have fifteen thousand people, which they think two thousand waiting to get in. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It, there's too many people. So niching down, while mm-hmm. it seems scary and it seems like you're lowering your pool of potential clients, you're actually hyper targeted. Hyper targeted to people who want. To buy Mm -hmm. what you're baking. I would recommend uh, niching it down and finding a smaller target than I would opening it up. Yeah, I think if, like Heather has said a million times, if she sends an email to 10 people and zero people open it, that's not as good as sending an email to five people and five people opening it. Exactly. Yeah. Hi, this is Greg. I am calling because you told me that I needed to ask you a question since you added two minutes to your show for me, which is the perfect amount. Um, my question is about videos. I used to post videos to my Facebook page and I got good engagement and lots of views from it. And then all of a sudden Facebook changed stuff. And now I don't get hardly any movement on them at all. So are there any tips that I need to know about posting videos or not posting videos or something, anything? That would help my videos. Thanks. Bye. Greg is a cheesecake ninja. <laughs> Greg, first off, I'm so glad you accepted my challenge and called in. And I think that is honestly a great question. Video is huge on Facebook for the fact that it keeps people on the platform longer and advertisers can actually advertise in the middle of some videos, which makes Facebook money. Literally a win-win for Mr. Z upstairs. Um, if you've We're ever calling him Daddy Papa Z, Papa Z, pa- Papa Zuck, Papa Zuck, okay. Papa Zuck upstairs. If you've seen a decline in your video engagement, it might be time to look into doing Facebook Lives. Facebook loves lives because it catches people on the platform and keeps them on there. Similar to your videos. It's like having a conversation and growing a relationship all in one. Plus, once the live is done, people can catch the replay, so you get a double bang for your buck. My suggestions for a successful Facebook Live, if you do decide to go this route, is start giving value right off the bat. Don't do the whole, I'm going to wait for a few minutes. So some There's people nothing log on. Corey hates more than that pause. Where Corey <laughs> said, I'm here, do it for me. Yeah, so the people that are there right when you go live are the ones that are your warmest audience. So you need to give them valuable value right off the bat. And guess what? The people who log on later, they can catch the replay. That's the great thing about Facebook lives. You get people right there on the platform and you get people who are accessing the content later. Um, so give value right away. Number two, give them a breakdown of what you're going to do in your life, almost like an itinerary so you can give people reason to stay to the very end. So if Heather said, hey, I'm going to answer your questions at the very end, guess what? Mm, I'm probably going to stay stay Mm. so she can answer my question. Um, Lastly, I would say keep your live to around 10 minutes. I know, I know you could probably talk about cheesecakes 
for hours and hours and about baking them, but people have microwave mindsets. And if you give them a digestible information in a short amount of time, they're more likely to tune in later. So I can say, oh yeah, Greg goes live 10 minutes. I have 10 minutes. I can listen to him in the car driving home. I know Greg has 32 minutes to listen to something while he drives mm-hmm. home. And that's why our podcast went from 30 minutes to 32 minutes. We're already at 32. So you got to chug along. Sorry, Greg. Stay in the car a little bit longer in the driveway. But I think Facebook lives might be something you should look into. You have a great personality. People love to connect with you. Um, you're funny. You're punny. Um, also, I'm going to throw this one in there is reels. I know. And why are reels so getting so much traction right now? And I think it's because Instagram fears TikTok. So Instagram's response to TikTok was reels. And now you're kind of seeing a relaxing of Instagram's algorithm when it comes to reels. So it gets us back from switching to a platform like TikTok back to reels. So I would honestly kind of, kind of get into the reels as well. I know it's an Instagram based thing, but you could download that and upload it to your Facebook page. True. As well. So Greg, you got some options there, dude. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So now last thing, group stuff. Uh, we're just going to recap. We don't have any current group challenges. We wrapped up the three by three by three. We wrapped up a photography challenge. I thought was a blast. Can I tell you a group stuff thing I went to do? Okay. Okay. So right now, like, even though this podcast has been in the works for the past three months, people will still say there's a podcast. So I want to pop us up, ruining the reach. <laughs> yeah, I know. So here's my thing. I want to challenge the people who are listening right now. I want them to actually post in the group and be like, can you believe the twins talked about a group member like that in their podcast this week? Because it's going to get the nosy people listening. Because everyone wants to know, did, was it me that they talked about? So it honestly was basically nobody. want me to get into the Facebook group and say, I can't believe the twins said that on the podcast. Absolutely. I want that. What you just can said. I do it? Too. No, you cannot do it. It makes no sense. I cannot believe I said that on the podcast. <laughs> you can do it that way. Um, but if you guys share the word, that's really honestly how this has gotten out to as much as it's gotten out to. So we appreciate when people tell people about the podcast, when you find a little snippet that hit, hits home with you and you share that with the group. Or when you ask a question, hey, I know Heather mentioned this in the podcast. How do I do this? It gets more eyes to it. But a, a great point here is it's really hard to push out information. You've got to constantly keep hitting the pavement. So, guys, we do have a podcast. Um, if you're on here. Guys, also, I wanted to mention we do have a podcast as well that you could also listen to. <laughs> so, if you do that, you make my day. I would give you five internet points for And I it. will not delete your thread. There you go. <laughs> um, we have some upcoming lives I'm really happy about. Um, Gina Burke, Gina Marie Burke, is teaching us how to nail Mother's Day pre-sales. And that'll be next week. That's that's just in up. time. I, know, I mean, because right? Mother's Day is right around. If the corner. you had any question about pre-sales, she only sells out on her pre-sales. It's almost her single source of income. That's how successful she is. With oh, it. I cannot wait for that one. Mm-hmm. And then we have everything you ever want to know about teaching sugar cookie decorating. Oh, I cannot wait for this. So Corey one. will be teaching this one. I'm not sure <laughs> where or how we're going to do it just yet. It, worst case, we'll just do it here at my house. And if Best case, maybe we could do it at a place. I'm not sure. Yeah, if we can get the location that we actually teach at, um, we'll let you know. We're working on that now. If not, you guys still have to watch it, so that's fine. And then we go to how to create, build, and grow a cookie business newsletter with Jennifer Grow, which is a great last name for that subject yeah, matter. Right? But uh, she has honestly sold out of her Easter sets through email marketing, which I, I have to watch that one myself. I think we're both going to have mm-hmm. to tune in there. So that's up for upcoming lines. Working on two other, I think everyone will really like as well, but I'll get you more information on that when we solidify a date and time. Amen. Okay. So back to it. This is wrapping it up, guys. I know we went a little over this time. Just had a lot to tell you all. A lot, lot to a say. A lot of cow puns. I just had to get them all out. <laughs> 
Um, to our Twinterest, Corey, what is yours? I don't have my. I don't have one right now. Right, when the world now? I don't. Nothing's interesting me about me this week. That's insane. Anyways, <laughs> I'll carry it for the team today. <laughs> one thing I really, really, honestly, an app I could not live without is LastPass, and that's the last password you'll ever have to remember. So LastPass is a password manager that I use extensively in my day job. For each client, I have probably between 20 and 30 passwords I need to manage. So imagine every client I've ever worked with, that many passwords, my own passwords, things like that. Um, It would be impossible or extremely insecure if I'm using the same my name, birthday, middle name, cat's name, like it's, those are insecure. And I know it's not, I know a lot of people think, well, somebody is on the other side of the computer trying to guess it. No, it's software that's running through it faster than you can imagine to hack your passwords. And plus there's a lot of data leaks. Um, So LastPass generates a really extremely complex password that is impossible to hack. And it also reminds you when you need to update your passwords and does it for you. Also, I don't have to remember any of them because when I go to a website, it fills it in for me. Yeah, I I drug my feet on downloading LastPass till Heather like annoyed the bejeebus out of me. I have made my whole family's and my grandmother uses LastPass. I know, but it honestly, guys, it is worth its weight in gold. I even bought the one for your mobile app and for the one for your desktop uh, so I can go seamlessly buy all my things without having to think twice. And we went to the T-Mobile store to upgrade our phones and they needed access to our Samsung accounts. I know we don't have iPhones. It's fine. You can unfriend us now. It's fine. <laughs> um, but he had asked for the password and I gave him a 24 character numerical uh, lowercase and uppercase password. And he said, there's no way you remember this. And I said, I don't have to. LastPass does. And he was blown away that that was an option. But in this world that we live in where... Uh, data breaches are more, more common than... Amen. They should be paying... LastPass should be paying Heather. They should be paying um, commissions. Yeah, you should. This. Okay, I found my twin trust. Okay. Okay, our twin trust is me and Heather spent this morning making a ton of TikToks. Okay, this okay. is kind of... Guys, I got it. I think we hit our stride <laughs> on these TikToks. So check out these to- TikToks. If you laughed as hard as we did, then it will be a job well done. How can they find us on TikTok? I'll have to link it in the group. They don't have vanity URLs on TikTok, yes, Gosh, but the it. hashtag sugarcookie marketing is used in all the videos we okay, post. Okay, good. So, which I think there's all just the videos we post <laughs> using the hashtag. <laughs> so if you want to be even annoyed by Heather and me on a different platform, head over to TikTok. We made some funny ones. Me and Heather thought we were hoots. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Anyways, guys, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you haven't gone to the Hula concert, a lot of that is available on replay, and there's some pretty good stuff there. Okay. Uh, LLC questions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And me and Heather are looking like jokes. But if you would like to call and leave a voicemail, I just want to give you that phone number. It's 571-556-5644. You can even text it. Or if you're phone shy, you can email us at hello at sugarcookiemarketing.com. Okay, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.